This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. How to stand out in the college application process. Education Week is underway. We'll cover that in our next segment. But first, the busy week ahead includes data on housing, consumers, and retail. Joining us now with a preview is Tom Hudson, the week ahead columnist with McClatchy Tribune News Services based in Miami. Tom, thanks for joining us today. It sounds like we're going to get a number of metrics in how the American consumer feels about the the present climate. We've heard an awful lot about how people still have a lot of uh, savings, pent-up savings. They are willing to spend money despite higher inflation. And this week uh, could be a good indication of uh, how willing people are, how how willing people are that they want to spend in this type of environment. Yeah, Yeah, Rob, I think that the numbers we're going to see this week on retail sales, for instance, uh, on uh, home sales, is either going to assure the market that a recession isn't right around the corner or reinforce all the fear that's in the capital markets that, oh boy, the U.S. consumer is just about to give up the ghost. And uh, when, on the one hand, yes, you don't want a recession, you don't want an economic slowdown. But on the no. other hand, all of the policies that have been pursued in the last couple of months have all been designed with fighting inflation in mind. Right. And part of that is reducing consumer demand. It's simply too hot right now. Yeah, that's right. Reducing consumer demand. It's a blunt instrument that the Federal Reserve has, of course, to try to uh, tamp down on inflation. It really can't deal with the supply chain. It can't deal with overseas manufacturers and workforce in China or in Southeast Asia, for instance, or shipping rates between uh, between Shanghai and uh, Long Beach, California. What it can do is talk about the cost of cash. And if it's going to raise the cost of cash, Thus, giving savers, giving uh, consumers, frankly, a disincentive to spend and more of an incentive to keep those dollars to themselves. That's essentially what's happening here. And let's face it, how this uh, play plays out, we're not sure if this is going to be a tragedy in terms of the American economy or if this is going to be what the Fed hopes is essentially a dud, a soft landing, and we're able to kind of get back into a normal rate for lending. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell will speak at a conference on Tuesday. Does that have the potential to move markets? Oh, 100%. Uh, every, not only every word is going to be dissected, every syllable, every emotion, every curl of the lip or crinkle of the eyebrow from the chairman is going to be uh, isolated and uh, digested here by the market to try to get a sense of How concerned is the Federal Reserve about a recession and how committed is the Federal Reserve to its inflation fight? And then Thursday, uh, leading economic indicators. What are what what's the consensus on that? Looking there to get an idea about future inflation expectations. 
Current inflation expectations are going to be high, justifiably so. But does the consumer still expect uh, prices, consumer prices, to come off those highs, especially in six months? That can give a bit of a relief to the consumer, a bit of relief to the Federal Reserve. I don't think that's going to be enough of a relief for the bears that are in the uh, capital markets, however. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Tom Hudson, Week Ahead columnist, McClatchy Tribune News Services, based in Miami. Coming up next, some advice on how to help college applicants make their best impression. The best daily deal in Chicago, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's Education Week on the WBBM Noon Business Hour, and it is uh, presented by St. Xavier University. Being able to stand out when applying to colleges can be challenging. Joining us now is Deb Donnelly. She teaches the college process to school counselors through the Academy for College Admissions Counseling and works with students through debdonnellycollegecounseling.com. Deb, thanks for joining us this afternoon. 25 years ago, I was working on the college <laughs> application process as a junior in high school. And even back then, you had to have a rather uh, sparkling resume of not only just uh, uh, grades and standardized test scores, but uh, a lot of really uh, interesting activities to prove that you were a well-rounded person. Uh, Is that still the formula today? And what are some uh, things that uh, today's uh, high school junior or senior uh, needs to consider when they're uh, putting together their college application essays. Well, thanks for having me, Rob. And what I would give to have seen that college application from you. Um, today, you know, you're talking about the the top 100 or maybe the top 3% of colleges and universities that are really highly selective. And yes, they do look at all kinds of things um, from have you done any independent research to do you have some volunteer activities? Given that all of the academics are in place, those highly selective colleges will look at a myriad of other things to make sure that you can contribute to their community as they build a class. But what they do in building a class varies pretty significantly from year to year. Um, For example, in 1970, students who applied to the University of Pennsylvania had a 70%, well, the admit rate there was 70%. 70% of the students who applied got in. Last year, that very same university um, had an admit rate of about 5.6%. So, yes, those other things can come into play in those really highly selected schools. There has been some talk, especially over the last couple of years, about some schools doing away with uh, standardized test scores as part of the uh, of the admissions mix. They won't look at SAT scores or ACT scores. Is that merely an outlier? Is that a policy that really uh, uh, took root in any portions of the uh, higher education space? It's an amazing policy that has, has really taken over the landscape of college admissions. Um, and I think that we can look at that as part of what contributed to a 22% increase in college applications this past year. Um, The vast majority of colleges and universities are test optional. For example, the University of California schools uh, are test blind. They won't even look at test scores anymore. Um, But there are a few schools, the University of Tennessee at Knoxville, the University of Georgia system, that are still looking at standardized test scores as a part of the admissions process. And this is something that uh, we counsel people as they are entering the workforce, but it's also true when you're entering college as well. Audit your social media. I mean, that was something that didn't exist in 1997, and now it rules everybody's lives. 
Well, the good news is that the pandemic pandemic kept most of us at home, so there wasn't a lot of uh, of things that could go on that students might maybe be ashamed of. Um, I'm hoping anyway, but yes, um, students should look at their social media, you know, erase whatever they can that puts them in a poor light, if anything, um, and just be very cautious. On the other side, we're using social media so much in terms of determining campus culture. Um, so the reverse is also true. Students are turning from Instagram more to Reddit to take a look at how to assess campus culture to make sure they're a good fit as well. And you could also use social media to your advantage, I would imagine, by also uh, presenting your best self, your most well-rounded self, and your most uh, community-oriented self. You have hit the nail on the head again, Rob. That's what everybody should do um, in any case. We shouldn't be you know, we should always want to put our best foot and our best face forward and show ourselves in a good light. I well, agree completely. Well, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Deb Donnelly, who teaches the college process to school counselors to the Academy of College Admissions Counseling and works with students to the Deb Donnelly College Counseling.com. Thanks for joining us as Education Week starts. Coming up next, a look at what JetBlue is doing in its effort to take over Spirit Airline. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. JetBlue is launching a hostile takeover bid for Spirit Airlines. Helping us get a clearer picture of what's going on is Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul University, based in Chicago. Joe, thanks for joining us today. JetBlue will not be deterred in its uh, its 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 effort to uh, get in the way between a uh, a Spirit and Frontier Airlines merger. That's right. That's really uh, coming on on heavy here. They're essentially making a hostile bid for Spirit. If you recall, um, Frontier uh, put out an offer to uh, you know to buy Spirit and uh, or two carriers to merge. And uh, JetBlue came in and offered what they considered was a better deal to get Spirit, and Spirit uh, rejected that. So now they're taking the hostile approach, but they're they're uh, revving it up here, saying the board's failed to act in the interests of stockholders and, uh, uh, and listing why their offer is better. This one will be interesting to see how it plays out. So they're going directly to the Spirit Airlines shareholders uh, and saying, look, uh, we'll buy this thing for uh, $30 a share, uh, automatically doubling the value of what you hold right now. Yeah, that's right. They're going to give an all-cash offer, and they also have uh, uh, provisions that if the uh, the deal doesn't get regulatory approval, there's some sort of a uh, a payment that would be made to cover stockholders for uh, the pain and suffering of this. And uh, they're also really going after the board, saying they're rejecting a clearly better offer. And, you know, the board is concerned about antitrust uh, issues that right now Spirit and American have a deal uh, to carry people up and down the East Coast that's raised the eyebrows of antitrust uh, authorities already. So there's a fear that you throw spirit into the mix and the dominance of uh, of the three airlines uh, with Americans uh, included in the mix may not pass muster with the uh, with the antitrust authorities. So this whole thing could unravel. And uh, can this be interpreted as aggressiveness on the part of JetBlue or desperation? Well, the whole thing is a bit perplexing because the business models are so different. Usually when uh, the, uh, the stakes go up for a merger, it's because it's a match made in heaven. There's going to be a lot of revenue generated from driving business traffic and high high fare traffic carriers. This one is not so clear why 
uh, sort of a service-oriented carrier and an ultra-discounter putting together is going to help on the marketing front. And we know it's going to help on the cost front because you have a bigger fleet, you have a, a larger pool of labor that can be cross-utilized. But they're offering a massive premium here, and it, uh, it's uh, certainly surprising. And, and JetBlue is, is an East Coast carrier with a, a big network out of Boston and New York. And the kind of the initial the benefit for JetBlue was it, it gave it uh, more of a robust route network outside of the East Coast. Is that what they're really going for? That probably is. And I think you're looking at a uh, you know, uh, big East Coast operation. They uh, do massive traffic, uh, uh, the Florida from New York and Boston. But they have a big transcontinental operation where Spirit, you know, sort of cherry picks the big leisure markets all over the U.S. Lots of flights to Florida from uh, major destinations, often just one or two flights a day, where JetBlue tends to be a, a more of a traditional carrier with lots of service and, and the markets it serves. So they complement each other in the sense they both fill different niches in the marketplace, but you have to think they're going to keep the brand name separate because Spirit has such a reputation for being, uh, you know, the cheapest player in town, and JetBlue sort of sells itself to step up from uh, from the other carriers. Joe Schwederman, thanks for joining us this afternoon to talk about the uh, hostile takeover bid, JetBlue, for Spirit Airlines. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Mayor Lightfoot announces a change in Chicago's curfew for minors in the aftermath of Saturday evening's shooting death of a 16-year-old boy in Millennium Park. The White House says President Biden will go to Buffalo, New York, as the city mourns the victims of a mass shooting that left 10 people dead, three others wounded. As the Noon Business Hour continues, we'll take a look at a big problem facing pizza Korea's nationwide, and it's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get some tips on what looks good from an investment pro. WBBM Business, the markets are higher. In fact, uh, they've uh, taken off quite a bit in the last couple of minutes. The Dow is up 208 points. The NASDAQ is down 60. The S&P 500 is up 8. AccuWeather says sunny to partly cloudy, breezy, and warm. High today of 76. It's 1231. And topping our news at the half hour, the shooting death of a 16-year-old boy in Millennium Park during an altercation Saturday night at a time when large groups of young people had gathered at the downtown park as a, in a scene that became chaotic has led to a change in the city's curfew. During a news conference at City Hall, Mayor Lightfoot announced she's changing the city's weekend curfew for people 17 and under from 11 p.m. to 10 p.m. Our young people have every right to be anywhere in the city uh, that they choose. That's not at issue. The question is how, when, and with whom. The mayor's decision means the cure few for minors will be 10 p.m. every night. President Biden will visit Buffalo, New York tomorrow to help a community that continues to grieve after Saturday's deadly shooting. The president says the nation must unite after yet another mass killing. We must all work together to address the hate that remains a stain 
I'm a sole American. At a memorial honoring fallen law enforcement officers yesterday, the president did not mention gun control efforts that have stalled here in Washington. But Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown did on NBC, saying mass shootings are a uniquely American phenomenon that must be addressed. On CNN, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said Democrats and the White House want tighter gun control measures, but Senate Republicans are in the way. Sagar Magani, Washington. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. There's been some uh, decent activity as far as the markets are concerned. Just the last couple of minutes, joining us now with the latest in what's moving Wall Street is Matt Shapiro, president MWS Capital based in Chicago. Matt, thanks for joining us this afternoon. A big Hi, jump in the Dow in the last 10 minutes. Uh, what's driving that uh, that sudden surge? Well, I think it was just potentially a little bit of exhaustion so far in the move. You know, investors beaten up this year so far on both ends, both in fixed income, supposedly defensive, and also in stocks, and especially growth stocks that have led the market over basically the past decade. So if you look, um, there was a very steep technical setup from uh, the breakout highs around when uh, the you know uh, the president administration was was sworn in about a year and a half ago to all the relative lows in this punishing move down about 45 degrees and we finally bounced on Friday and Thursday and now kind of gathering up testing this move and if we finish higher um, that's going to show a little bit of a short-term daylight at the end of this tunnel. The $64 billion question, and I'm undervaluing that by an awful lot of 2022, is uh, can the Fed manage the soft landing? And we could have a couple of data points this week that uh, can suggest or take away from the possibility of that actually occurring, because there's a lot of uh, consumer spending or consumer spending adjacent businesses that are uh, reporting this week. And if we get to Friday and we find out that the uh, consumer still has a lot of money and a willingness to spend despite inflation, what does that tell the Fed? Well, I I think actually you, you hit on a good point. Anyone tried to get downtown this past weekend, the economy is very brisk. People are spending money. People are jamming planes. People are doing great, but they don't feel good about it. So our index of consumer sentiment, that Michigan, uh, famous Michigan thing, is nearly at all-time lows. You'd be surprised about it, not seen since the depths of the financial crisis or the inflation period in 1981. So, of course, that's a very positive contrarian indicator. And I our our hypothesis is that the Fed is not going to have to raise rates as much as people believe, and that's already over the last couple of weeks been shown in the bond market where those long rates are started to roll over and come down, and that's very positive if there's some improvement in the inflation picture. That's going to allow the Fed to raise rates to about 2.5% and claim a victory. And I think that would be huge for the market. But of course, we're going to have to wait a while for that development to happen. Very quickly, Matt, uh, as we start to hear more about uh, coming out of Ukraine, the possibility that uh, Russia not only is losing, but heading towards a loss uh, in their invasion. Um, if Russia decides to just say, you know, per- get take advantage of some sort of safe face saving out and end the conflict. How do the markets respond to that? 
Well, very positively, and I think, of course, um, the if you, people have been reading a little bit of the military assessments that Russia has essentially lost the whole thing, um, and it's only a matter of time uh, before they seek some sort of settlement, and that's potentially no one can really predict exactly those outcomes, but that could be one of the surprise positive developments that's been totally discounted by the market. Could be a thousand points right there if something like that happens. Matt Shapiro, president, MWS Capital, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us. Coming up next, a big problem facing pizzerias across the country. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Pizza places are being challenged by a shortage of delivery drivers. Joining us to look at the situation is Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Izzy, thanks for joining us once again. Uh, Is this a problem that is hitting the major pizza chains, or is it also hitting uh, the neighborhood favorite uh, pizza delivery places as well? Yeah, it is absolutely hitting every uh, type of pizza operation, no matter where you are. It is, it's always hard to find employees, but it seems that finding uh, uh, drivers for uh, pizza places, other fast food, uh, is, is almost impossible. And, and, and the industry is saying it could take two to three years to, to bring that back to where it needs to be. The business model of not only uh, pizza delivery drivers, but Uber and Uber Eats uh, was very much a pre-pandemic business model, one where if you wanted to make a couple of extra bucks or supplant a underpaying job, uh, you could drive for a couple of hours on the weekend, pick up a couple of of dollars along the way. Is it possible, though, that uh, higher inflation even with the higher cost of gas, might get some people to consider delivery driving once again uh, as a way of supplanting their higher income from their post-pandemic job? It it certainly could, but you bring up a great point with the uh, Uber drivers uh, because one of the reasons that, uh, you know, the pizza industry or delivery is, is, you know, has a bite taken out of it, Uber and Uber Eats wasn't huge before the pandemic, but uh, now, uh, carry out to go curbside, you know, not going into a restaurant to pick up is up 30%. And now you have guys who, rather than just driving for a pizza place, can drive for Uber and do Uber Eats and, and do more things. So uh, it is uh, becoming more competitive. But as you say, gas prices could, could shift this uh, uh, as well. Is this going to uh, hasten the arrival of automation in the restaurant space? I mean, before the pandemic, there was a lot of discussion about automation replacing workers, but now it sounds like the equation is automation helping workers. Uh, well, absolutely. And the, uh, you know, the other thing is if we don't get, uh, you know, drivers to come back to the industry, you know, one day those self-driving cars will be, uh, uh, very helpful in getting some of these things going. But uh, unfortunately, in this part of the industry, technology hasn't caught up with the current problem. In restaurants for dine-in, a lot of technology helping support less employees. But uh, delivery drivers, is uh, that technology is not coming on board anytime soon. And as far as the restaurant industry is considered as a whole, uh, delivery places, uh, dine-in establishments, um, you know, what are some of the categories of employees that uh, have not come back in great numbers and what areas of employment have recovered fully? Uh, Well, you know, we have, 
we've opened two or three restaurants just in the last few weeks. And to give you an idea, all of the models that we built were supposed to have lunch, dinner, seven days a week. Every one of them is now doing no lunch, dinner only, and only open five days a week. So we're only staffing about half the restaurant uh, that we need. So if we need 20 employees, we're lucky to get 10. So I think every part of our industry, uh, we haven't seen a comeback in one category. Uh, You know, servers, cooks, chefs, uh, bartenders, uh, none of that has happened yet. But this week, the restaurant show is in Chicago. They're going to have a lot of technology out there for owners to look at to start thinking about how do I, you know, supplant an employee and put in technology that can help me. Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the Restaurant Coach in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday. And still to come, it's Stock Picker Monday, a pair of investment ideas from a money pro. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's Stock Picker Monday, and joining us with a pair of picks from his newsletter, Upside, found at UpsideStocks.com, is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services in Hammond, Indiana, and once again, the website, UpsideStocks.com. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. A pair of picks uh, for for this Stock Picker Monday, and the first one uh, will certainly put a smile on the face of some people I used to work with. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm assuming that's Nextstar Media. Yes. The symbol is NXST. The stock trades for about $173 a share. Nextstar Media, is, as you kind of implied, Rob, is, is a, a, a pretty substantial company in the media area. Uh, they have a huge uh, representation across regional television networks uh, across the country. And, and what that gives them is pretty significant reach in terms of uh, reaching audiences for things like political ads, which are going to skyrocket this year and be a big boost to the company, where they can target those ads uh, for local elections as well as national elections. Uh, the company is also benefiting from the growth in in other advertising areas, one of those being the, the increase in online uh, gaming and uh, sports betting in various states. And uh, the company is really reaping some benefits from that as well. Um, earnings have been growing at a, at a very nice rate. In the last two quarters, the company beat the earnings estimates by 24% and 22% respectively. It's still a pretty cheap stock. It trades only at seven times 2022 earnings estimates and eight times the 2023. Plus, you get a dividend yield of over 2%. So it's a nice way to play to get some cash flow, to play a mid-sized, mid-cap stock, and to do it in, in, a, in a, uh, a market in a company that's you know not really vulnerable to supply chains other than maybe their auto uh, advertising business. So it's a, it's a nice insulated way to play the market right now. That's Nextar Media, NXST trades for $173 a share. And this was a a TV station owner that uh, purchased the Tribune chain of television stations not too long ago. So they own Channel 9 in Chicago, along with a number of other properties uh, in major markets like uh, PIX in New York and uh, KTLA in Los Angeles. And then uh, your next one is uh, in the infrastructure space. It is. It's at core. Uh, The symbol is ATKR, trades for $106 a share. And yes, it's in the infrastructure space, particularly the electrical infrastructure. The company makes uh, conduit cables, uh, infrastructure products, 
that go into the construction repair and uh, and also the power generation business so so it's in an area where you know with the improvement of the utility lines or the need to improve utility lines and electrical infrastructure they're they're in a real nice sweet spot right now uh the company has been absolutely crushing earnings estimates and that's one of the reasons we really like it uh in the last four quarters the company beat the earnings estimates, consensus analyst estimates, by 28%, 14%, 28%, and then 43% in the latest quarter. So the analysts are really playing catch-up on the company's earnings ability. Uh, it's, it's, the stock has done well, but it's still a pretty cheap stock. It trades only five times its 2022 earnings estimate and eight times that 2023 estimate. Earnings estimates also have been rising quite sharply and um, or have been rising and rising in a big way. So it's a company that has a lot of operating momentum, and I think that's going to translate to continued gains in the stock price. That's at core, ATKR is the symbol, and the stock trades for $106 per share. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services in Hammond. Subscribe to the newsletter Upside, found at UpsideStocks.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is kind. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.